I honestly felt like I found my gift, the ability to move people emotionally, the ability to uh, get people to follow you, you know, do what you ask, you know, join your team and be part of your team and be motivated by you. To me, that was much more satisfying than physically turning the wrenches. My guest today has 41 years of experience in the home services industry and has elevated his expertise into a motivational leader and speaker who embraces change and passionately guides people into overcoming obstacles to succeed. His enthusiasm for lifelong learning has led him to become a Ziegler Legacy Certified Trainer and a John Maxwell Certified Speaker, Trainer, and Coach. The company he founded in 2003 originally Abacus Plumbing, is a premier home services company in Houston, Texas. Under his extraordinary leadership, Abacus has achieved the Better Business Bureau Award of Excellence 10 times, three of which were the prestigious Pinnacle Award, garnered national attention for its record growth and was named one of Inc.'s 5,000 fastest-growing companies in 2010 and 2011. I'd like to welcome my guest today, and friend, Alan O'Neill, CEO and founder of Abacus Plumbing, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Alan O'Neill, how are you? Fantastic, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hop on the line with me today. I have to say, I've known you for a long time, and I remember when you were a junior in this business. However, you have really, really graduated and I have to commend you and congratulate you on a fantastic job from really starting out as a plumber, turning wrenches, to running and building and scaling first-class home service companies. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. It's been uh, it's been an absolutely fun ride. 19 years this year since we started. Um, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap what I do for the world. It's been a fantastic journey. I know that you have an East Texas accent. Why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about your start? You started in Dublin, Ireland as a child. Why don't you start there and give us a little bit of an idea of what it was like then and how you got here to America? Yeah, so so you're absolutely right, Jim. I'm an East Texan, six thousand miles east of Texas in Dublin. I I grew up and started. Um, I was the son of a laborer. My dad had no particular skill. He worked for the Irish Glass Bottle Company, and and he worked for that company for forty nine years. From went in there when he was fifteen and came out when he was sixty four. So that'll give you an idea where I may have got some work ethic. Um, my dad never complained, went to work every day, just was a happy, happy man. And I graduated uh, the equivalent of high school over there. You know, my dad's ambition for me was to get a trade. He would always say, get a trade and you'll never be idle. I registered with the National Apprentice Agency at the time in Dublin. First job that came up, the first interview they sent me for was as an apprentice plumber. Got the job, started working as a plumber, ended up staying with that company for seven years. 
then went on to work uh, a couple of companies. The two most notable, I worked for a few years in Trinity Co- College Dublin, which is a famous old university in the centre of Dublin as a maintenance plumber. And then I worked for Aer Lingus, the national airline, for a few years. That was probably my favourite job. But while I was in Aer Lingus, I saw an ad in the newspaper one day for a worldwide lottery for American green cards. I entered, without even talking to my wife, I entered the uh, the lottery, you know, because I really didn't think I was going to get pulled out of it. Fifteen months later, my wife called me and said, hey, there's a letter here from the National Visa Center in the U.S. And when we looked into it, it was uh, we'd been accepted. We'd been pulled out of the lottery and been accepted. Crazy, crazy story. But that's how we got here. It is a crazy story. I mean, I bet you had no idea. You hadn't even imagined moving to America, raising your children in America, starting a business in America. I can't imagine you would have even thought of that as a young working man. No, Jim. I mean, myself and my wife always had this little bug about maybe we'll go to Australia someday, maybe we'll go to America, you know, but never really took it seriously. But once we got the visa, you know, once we were picked out of that lottery, we really start looking into it. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. If I'd have known how difficult it was to move across the world with two young children and one on the way and start all over, like we had nothing, we had no car, you know, we'd no job to go to, we'd nothing. I mean, literally, whatever money we brought with us, that was it. And, you know, one, one good thing was, Jim, the, the airline gave me a year leave of absence, so I had a safety net. But we came and we said, we'll give it a year. If it's not working out, we'll go home. Through a series of events, ended up by before the end of the first year with the company I was working for, they, they offered to promote me from plumber to service manager. And that was kind of the start of my foray into into management. It's just incredible. Alan O'Neill is joining me today here on the show, the CEO and founder of Abacus Plumbing, Air Conditioning and Electrical. Besides that, he actually manages other companies as well. He is an American success story. I've said this many times and I truly believe it. Some of the most successful people here in the United States were not born in the United States. They come from other countries and excel. As a matter of fact, in case you're interested in learning how to become a millionaire, uh, be born in another country and move to the United States. You're four times more likely to become a millionaire if you emigrate here. So it's interesting fact. The people who really, really want to live that American dream can come here and build great things like Alan O'Neill has with Abacus Plumbing, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Speaking of that, let's really talk about your roots. Tell us about the home you lived in. Yeah, Jim. So, you know, I lived in the center of Dublin, in inner city Dublin. We lived in a, we lived in a place called Pierce Square. And the square was was a, you know, about 50 Victorian houses in a a U-shape. And they were all built in the 1840s. But when I was growing up and when my parents had me, I was a baby, they were basically tenement houses. So there was three or four families in every house. We lived in two rooms of the house, basically a living room, sitting room, kitchen, 
and one bedroom which ended up there was five of us in that bedroom so my mom and dad and three kids there was no indoor plumbing in those homes that if you wanted to go to the toilet there was an outdoor toilet in the backyard now it was actually a, a little shed with a toilet in it we didn't just pee in the grass so <laughs> You know, and bath time um, was, you know, my mother had a big old steel bath and we'd all take turns. Uh, uh, she'd heat the water on the stove and we'd get in the bath. And uh, so, but when I was about 12 or 13, we actually moved into the house next door and we had the entire house. My dad was handy. You know, he had no trade, but he knew a little bit about plumbing and electrical. And so he started modernizing the house. And then when I started in plumbing at the age of 16, I helped them put in the bathrooms and, uh, you know, plumb the house properly, so to speak. From 16 on, we had a bathroom. But prior to that, there was no bathroom in the house. So a very, very humble, um, very, you know, I would say lower, lower class, uh, you know, upbringing. But having said that, we didn't need any. We were we were very happy and very happy family. Great childhood. Spent all my childhood playing around right in front of the house. And um, never felt like we were poor, but but looking back on it, we certainly didn't have anything that that any ex- excess. You know, we were scraping by, so to speak. Alan, quite ironic that you didn't have a toilet in the house, but that's your business today. You help people with plumbing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I was offered the interview for the plumbing apprenticeship, I never thought about plumbing as a trade, but I learned to love it. You know, I learned to really enjoy the plumbing. And really, I thought I was being a plumber until I went into management. And when I went into management, I honestly felt like I found my gift. You know, the ability to move people emotionally, the ability to uh, get people to follow you and to, you know, do what you ask and, and, uh, you know, join your team and be part of your team and be motivated by you. To me, that was much more satisfying than physically turning the wrenches uh, obviously a little bit bit uh, less hard on your body i love management i love people i love trying to get the best out of people and and if you ask me jim what gives me the most satisfaction today without a shadow of a doubt i will tell you that in the in the 19 years now since we started abacus we have changed family trees like we literally have taken kids that would have been written off by society because they weren't college material, and and they're high, you know, they're they're making well above six figures now, doing great, buying beautiful homes, sending their kids to college. I mean, we're literally changing family trees, and to me, that's the most satisfying aspect of what we did today. That's wonderful, Alan. It's incredible. You started that change with your own family. You grew up relatively poor, as you stated. You brought your family over to the United States, and you built something great for your family, and you're helping other families as well. And I wanted to discuss with you, while we're talking about building people, helping them, how does this fit into building a top-notch home service company? Because it's often about the people. It's not the fact that you guys do plumbing and air conditioning and electrical. It's always about the people. So what's the secret sauce to building a top-notch home service company, Alan? Yeah, you sort of answered your own question there, Jim. 
like it's all about the people. I mean, it is it is all about the people. In order to take care of your customers, and I'm talking about external customers now, people that call us for service, you first have to take care of your people. Your people have to know you have their back if there's a problem. Your people have to know that if they have a family problem, a financial problem, a marital problem, whatever it might be, you're going to be there for them and you're going to support them. So we have built a culture of support, Jim. Like we really feel that we're a family. Now, you know, in Houston, we're a 350 people family right now, right? We have a lot of employees and, and never a day or a week goes by that somebody hasn't got some kind of problem. But we support them because we wouldn't have hired them if we didn't think that they were worthy of being employed by us. And we certainly want to retain them and, and keep them happy. And, and, you know, an old colleague of mine used to say, employees are safe and happy. And that's such a profound statement because if they don't feel safe working for you, in other words, if they're worried about getting fired all the time, it's very hard for them to perform. If they're not happy, I mean, if they're not happy because they're worrying about problems outside of work or wherever it might be, it's very hard for them to perform. And if they're not performing, they're not going to take care of your external customers. And so we have a tree with philosophy at, at uh, Advocates Gym. So, you know, the customer must, must win. The customer, when, whenever you have a transaction with a customer, the customer must win. So they must feel like they got great value for money and a really good product. Secondly, the employee must win. The employee has to come out there feeling like he was well compensated for what he just did for your customer. And last but not least, the company has to win. So we have to be able to turn a profit in order to keep growing, keep supporting all these families that we support. If we do that, like if we approach everything with, you know, a caring attitude about the customer, about the employee, and we're also protecting the company, then I feel like we really can't go wrong. I agree. I have discussions all the time with home service providers. Of course, I'm in the business of helping home service providers with their businesses, grow their businesses, gain exposure. Many just don't understand the core principles. They try to take shortcuts. They say, well, I can't charge that much because my competition will kill me. They charge less. And what will the customer think? Well, Alan, you know this. If you don't charge enough, you can't take care of the customer, which is the external customer, and your internal customer, which are your employees, the team members. You've got the right recipe. You do a lot of mainstream advertising. You've got great updated trucks. They're fully stocked. You've got great customer service, great facilities. You'll be there tomorrow for the homeowner customer. You'll be there tomorrow for your internal customers, your employees. And I have to commend you because you had to make some hard decisions a while back. Do you want to be a small mom-and-pop operator, or do you want to be the best in class in the cities you operate in? And you decided to go that route. Yeah, Jim. I mean, I think pricing is an area that a lot of people stumble on because they say to themselves, wow, that seems like an awful lot for a toilet, or it seems like an awful lot for a faucet repair, or it seems like a crazy amount of money for an AC system. Listen, the average McDonald's franchise makes a 25% net profit. I don't know any home service company, including mine, that makes a 25% net profit. So we have to charge 
an appropriate amount that allows us to make a net profit that allows us to continue to reinvest in our people and our facilities and continue to grow the company. You know, I think, Jim, that you're doing yourself a great disservice uh, by getting involved in a race to the bottom when it comes to pricing. We're in an environment now where everything goes up, like everything goes up every almost daily. I just got an email this morning from the company that services my swimming pool to say that there was a $20 increase per month in the pool service. That's a 20% increase. If you go to Chick-fil-A, their prices are up somewhere around 26 to 28% in the last 90 days. Everything is, we're in an inflationary environment and everything has gone up. And for those contractors that may be listening, please be aware of your cost. If your material goes up 20%, your price needs to go up at a very minimum 20% and probably more than 20%, depending on how your people are paid. But you have to stay ahead of the pricing game or you're slowly but surely putting yourself out of business. You may not realize it, but you're slowly but surely edging towards an exit that's not going to be a great exit for you. Absolutely correct. Alan, you have a responsibility as a business owner for your internal and external customers as well as stakeholders in the organization. And an organization that's not healthy is worth nothing to anybody in the long run. So as you said, in the short run, you may not feel it. It's kind of like not taking care of yourself, but you're going to be in poor health when you're older and you're going to die younger. Well, same thing with your company. You need to continue to do the right things. And as Alan said, if your costs go up by 20%, your pricing to your customer is going to have to go up by at least 20%. And that's just the way it is. But you have a responsibility as a business owner to maintain that company and to grow the company, to have a healthy company. I could almost say a healthy family because I know Alan treats his people as family and he treats his customers as family. On another note, Alan, for the people who are listening who haven't achieved what you've achieved and are wondering, what's the best direction for me to go with advertising to begin with? Is it TV, radio, internet? A lot of people do social media. Smaller individuals or companies do a lot of networking. What is your suggestion to a smaller operator who wants to scale to the size you've become at Abacus? Yeah, so I'll I'll qualify this, Jim, by saying it's much, 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 much more complicated today than it was 19 years ago when we were starting our inner infancy. Back then, hardly anybody was doing TV. Nobody was doing pay-per-click advertising or SEO or any of that stuff, right? But the one thing we always did, Jim, we found a sweet spot of 10% of our revenue goal. Not 10. So say we were going from 2010 to 2011 year. We would decide what we wanted our revenue to be in the year 2011, and we would spend 10% of that of the revenue we were trying to achieve, not of the revenue we just achieved, but we would we would always uh, plan on spending 10% of revenue to get to that revenue goal. Now, without bragging in any way or, or patting myself on the back, 
we have never missed a revenue goal in 19 years in business and we have never not grown. So I know that formula works. What you spend it on is, is entirely up to you. Now, you know, the instant gratification comes with pay-per-click. So you, you put some money into pay-per-click on the internet, typically the phone will ring from that. Um, but, you know, things like, I'm, I'm still a believer in direct mail if it's done properly. Um, I think reaching out to your existing customers that already know and like you is always very powerful. The thing about TV is you have to have consistency. I'm personally not a big believer in cable TV. I'm more of a believer in broadcast TV, but it's horrendously expensive. The other thing, though, I think that is very, very important. And believe it or not, Jim, you'll smile when I tell you this, but the referral program we use today, I got from Howard Partridge 15 years ago. Um, Howard is a big believer in referral marketing. We have a system where if Jim Clout refers a friend and the friend tells us Jim Clout referred him, we'll send Jim a certificate for 10% of the value of that call that Jim can either send back to us for a check or he can use it on his next service. And so having a great referral marketing program, even if it's a $50, $20 Starbucks gift card to the customer that refers you, I think is one of the cheapest and most effective ways to keep growing your, your customer base. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's much more difficult today because there's a lot more sophisticated contractors out there today than there ever has been. And, you know, the Internet is so powerful today. Having a great website is really important. Having it optimized is really important. Having good SEO is really important. I mean, it's all important. I agree. You go back 15, 20 years or more, all you had to do is throw money at it, Alan. You needed to be in the yellow pages. And I know your story. You're smart. I know how you came up with Abacus, and it's a great story. And it had to do with, hey, it's got A and B in it. That's very helpful because it's at the beginning of the plumbing uh, category in the phone book. So the yellow pages, you had ABC, NBC, or CBS television. You had some radio, billboards, and newspapers, of course. And that was kind of it. And you just had to really funnel money into it, and the best man wins. Today, it's so much more fragmented, Alan. It's like, where do we go with it? But I know you still spend a lot of money on television. Here in Houston, I can be watching the news between 5 and 6 or 6.30, and I'm going to see Abacus on the television screen. Yeah, That is expensive, but it's audio and visual, and it's consistent. And I'm sure you'll agree with me. You don't do this once. You don't do it for a week. You don't do it for a month. You do it over and over and over and over again until you are not going to be doing what you're doing anymore, meaning after you sell your business. That'll be their problem when they take over the business. But as long as you're building this business, you have to do it over and over and over again. Absolutely, Jim. I have a good friend that runs a very successful contracting business in Phoenix. I mean, they're a $200 million home service company. He says the three keys to advertising, I totally agree with this, are frequency, consistency, and longevity. So you have to, you have to be frequent and you have to keep doing it over and over and over again, as you said. 
And then it's not a short-term game. The longevity is important. You just keep doing it. And, and it builds upon itself. The problem a lot of contractors that enter television in particular end up with is it's very hard to track a lead from TV because people will see you on TV and then they'll go to Google to look up your name. And so if you ask where they got you, they'll probably say Google. Very unsophisticatedly, I can tell you, when we do more TV, our calls go up. When we do less TV, our calls go down. And I've been watching that for 12, 13, 14 years now, Jim. So, you know, frequency, consistency, longevity, they're the three keys to advertising, in my opinion. And I will add this, too. The big guys are on TV. So if you want to be a big guy, you got to be on TV. And it's true. You can go to any city in the country. And when you see the plumber, the electrician, the HVAC, the roofer, whomever it is on television, you know they're a big player in town. Or they're doing a spend up front to become the big player in town. And that's what I tell people. They say, hey, Jim, where should I put my money? I ask them, are you doing television and radio and billboards? And Do you have your trucks all wrapped? And they're like, well, no, we go to networking meetings. I said, well, that's a good start. How many techs do you have? Well, I'm the tech. Okay, well, so now I know where you are. And if you want to be big, you've got to do this, 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 and this. But I'll tell you, if you see people on TV, (laughs) they're doing something right. And those are the players in town. Well, yeah, I had a guy tell me one time, Jim, only the big guys can afford to be on TV. And I said, well, no, only the big guys are big because they're on TV. Like they, they invested in TV before they were big. And, and I'm not saying TV is the answer. It's the answer at a certain size. Whatever you do, be consistent with it. Keep doing it, you know, until you prove it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, then of course you need to stop. But definitely, you know, those, those three keys I think are important. Alan, how many team members do you have now? Uh, 350 Jim in, in Houston. And uh, we just started Austin a year ago, and we're up to, exactly a year ago, we're up to 65 people up there now in Austin, Jim. That's fantastic. Where do you envision Abacus as a company in 5, 10, 15 years? Yeah, you know, I will tell you, Jim, our trade and business, the home service business is changing so much with all the private equity money, you know, with all the investments and all the the mid-sized companies being bought out. It's very hard to predict where any company is going to be in, in 5, 10, 15 years. I see some of the bigger, nobody likes calling them consolidators, but equity companies. So I see some of those will merge, I think, in years to come. And, you know, you're going to end up with some really, really, really large players. I think the small companies, I think, will survive. I think it's the mid-sized companies that have a danger of being squeezed out. But where will Abacus be, Jim? You know, I think the sky's the limit, Jim. Um, We're in plumbing, air conditioning, electrical and water treatment today. I don't see us expanding the the kind of services we do. Like, I don't see us going into any more verticals. But I do think it'll be a 500-plus person company with $150 to $200 million of revenue in at least the two cities we're in, Houston and Austin. And, and possibly San Antonio someday. If you had have asked me that five years ago, I would not have said that we'd be 350 people strong. So it just continues to surprise me, Jim, to a certain degree, how big we can get and how big the opportunity is. The answer would be larger than today, 
literally, who knows, Jim? We're, our plan is to continue to grow by at least 10% per year. We achieved that, and we continue to achieve that. The problem we have to solve, and it's a problem everyone in our industry, is the people problem. Like, where are we going to get the people? And that worries me about our trade in general, Jim, is like, there's not a, a lot of young people coming into the business. So where are we going to get them from? Now, we're aggressive, and, and we, we manage to stay at between 95 and 105% of needed staff but it's a it's a it's a full-time battle jim to continue to get those people no i totally agree it is hard to find good help and a lot of people for some reason feel they need to go to college and then figure out after that maybe they didn't need to and i think that if we had more trade schools and so forth and encourage people to get into the trades because some really are meant for that I think there's some confusion right now in our country as to what to do after we graduate from high school. I agree with what you're saying about not necessarily going wider with what you offer. So you offer plumbing, air conditioning, electrical, water treatment. I try to give this advice all the time when someone says, hey, I'm in this business and I also want to add this. They're not necessarily related business. Maybe it's a plumber who wants to get into the gutter business. The only thing in common is wastewater there. But other than that, they really don't have anything in common. I always suggest if you're really good at what you do and you've refined it, go deep, meaning go to more markets, advertise more in your market, so get a larger market share. But go deep because you're the expert in that area. And you begin to sometimes lose a little respect from your customers And they also don't feel as confident if you get into other things that are not that related to what your core business is. And I've seen businesses that get away from their core, and then they have to divest what they got into. Yeah, I've seen many plumbers that have got, got into air conditioning, which is a related field. But because they got into air conditioning, they put their eye off the plumbing business. And what happened is the plumbing business got smaller. We were nine years in plumbing before we took on air conditioning. And I would say we got really good at plumbing before we ventured off into air conditioning. When we felt like we had the air conditioning, you know, smoothly, then we went into electrical. We always made sure we brought in the expertise and the right people to run the air conditioning and the electrical because, frankly, I'm a plumber. I don't know very much about air conditioning. So... I needed to make sure that when I wanted to start air conditioning, I brought in enough expertise from outside to make sure that we could service our customers properly. And, and that's the key, too. So um, having the right people on the bus is, is super important. Alan, if you could start over again, if you got a second chance to start over again, what would you do differently in your business? Because we all learn. After about 20 years of running our business, we learn a lot. So if you could go back in time, what would you do different? You know, Jim, I've been asked that question a lot. And really, I have very few regrets about anything I've done because, you know, you make a strategic decision and it either works or it doesn't work. But if it doesn't work, you learn. And I think learning by making mistakes, and it's going to sound maybe controversial to some people, but learning by making mistakes is not a bad thing, so long as you learn from them. 
you know, as I look back, I don't really regret any of the mistakes I made because I picked the valuable lessons along the way. The one thing I think I have become really good at in recent years that maybe I wasn't so good at at the start and I, and it's true learning is hiring. As we were growing and we were adding managers and people, we'd look to competitors to see what who they had and could we get them on our team and you know the, the the unfortunate thing about that is sometimes they bring bad habits with them and so we started to develop managers from outside the trade bring them in teach them what they needed to, to know about the trade specific items but they were really strong really intelligent managers so the one thing i would change i think is i would have moved to that formula earlier in our growth cycle i wouldn't have had to put as many hours in and lose as much sleep and and have as much you know uh, tears about about the business and um, by just having more professional help earlier on so being better at recruiting at an earlier stage in in the cycle of the business gym i think is one thing i would have changed i think yeah and that makes a lot of sense i think when we look back on our business lives our personal lives there are some things that we see because we're now more mature, we're more seasoned. And so we can look back and say, you know what? If I were 21 years old again, I wouldn't do that, but I would do this. That's true in our personal lives and our business lives. Thanks for sharing that with us. One more thing before I let you go, my friend. You must be proud of what you've created. So what stands out as your number one accomplishment in building a business? There's a lot, Jim. Like, there's a lot of things I'm really, really proud of. And and I think you know me, Jim. I'm a pretty humble guy, right? I don't go around beating my chest about what we've done or what we haven't done. And But I think we have raised the bar in the industry in Houston, Jim. And, you know, people might say, oh, that's kind of a big-headed statement. It's not. We have raised the bar. Like, I know we have raised the bar. I know we have done things that competitors have followed and, and they have will do that because advocates do it. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, there's some really good competitors in, in Houston, but I feel like we've raised the bar in the industry. But I think what I'm most proud of is, Jim, we've done it the right way. We've, we've not done it by lying, cheating and stealing. We've treated everybody well. And, you know, most of the people we've had to elect go along the way because they weren't a fit for our company i'm still friends with so we've made i'd like to say no enemies maybe i have enemies i'm not aware of but we've made very few enemies along the way and we've done things the right way and i believe we've raised the bar in the industry and you know when i get to retirement day jim if i can look back and say that hey i've left a fantastic legacy and i've raised the bar and i've always treated people right internal and external There's just not much more satisfaction you can get than that, you know? And knowing you and what you've built at Abacus, I'd have to agree with you. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. You've uh, done a fantastic job. Abacus plumbing, air conditioning, and electrical is thought of very highly by the community here in Houston, by its competitors here in Houston, and I'm sure by other onlookers around the world who study this industry. One of the premier home services companies 
out there. Alan O'Neill, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join me here on the show today. Thank you, Jim, my friend. I always, always enjoy and appreciate talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. 